MBI Edge podcast, where we explore the backgrounds of interesting individuals and how they intersect with our building industry in Iowa. I'm your host, Ben Hammes, and I'm going to bring to you topics that help educate, develop, grow, and enhance you and your company. So welcome to the podcast, Alan Stein Jr. Appreciate you being here. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, we've had a really good time here at the MBI Annual Winter Conference this year. Uh, Alan is our uh, was our keynote speaker for the Masters Award luncheon today. Um, can you tell us, introduce yourself, tell us where, uh, how we got hooked up with you? Sure. Well, I don't know how you guys found me originally, um, but it's a real honor to be here. Uh, I am a professional keynote speaker and author, um, but I'm a former basketball performance coach. So the vast majority of my professional career was spent in elite level basketball. And uh, I'm very fortunate that I had an opportunity uh, to work with a lot of elite level players and coaches. And I was incredibly observant during that journey. And I now take the lessons and strategies and mindsets that I learned from the world's best basketball players. And I show folks how to apply those to their businesses uh, and to their lives in general. It's amazing. I saw it, you know, we took an extensive look at your website. Obviously, you worked with the elite. Tell us who those players were. Well, what makes the journey cool is I was a fairly mediocre basketball player. I was a decent public high school player in the D.C. area and earned a scholarship to play down at Elon University, a small school down in North Carolina. Uh, But it was very clear to me um, that my basketball playing days would be over when I graduated from Elon. But I fell in love with coaching immediately. And while I was at Elon, I started to fall in with the performance side uh, of training, Um, how to improve athleticism, become quicker, faster, stronger, more explosive. But I was always drawn to how to improve one's mindset and their approach and perspective to the game. So I'm very fortunate that I was able to take a mediocre playing career and parlay that into a basketball performance training career where I got to work with Nike and Jordan Brand and USA Basketball and some elite-level players and teams. And, you know, all of those folks taught me every bit as much, if not more, than I'd like to believe I taught them. So it was a very reciprocal relationship. And I have so much fun now translating those messages to folks in the business world because I think there is so much crossover into how you build a winning basketball team and culture and how you build a winning team and culture in any area of business, especially in construction. Yeah. Well, one thing that drew me to you, too, was reading your story online, the, the lessons of the leaves, right? The tree leaves. I, I, I thought that was really special. Can you talk about that? Why you went? I mean, you in a way, you kind of evolved from a, from a teacher. You, you, you wanted to be a, a, a teacher, had an interest in teaching. You're applying that in some ways now. Can you talk about that, that story? Absolutely. And I actually think teaching and coaching are rather synonymous. I mean, they're, they're not identical, but there's so much overlap between being a teacher and being a coach. And both of my parents were elementary educators. Uh, my mom was a first grade teacher for 30 years. Uh, my dad started as a teacher and then became a middle school principal. So I grew up with a very strong uh, affection and appreciation for teachers. And I figured when I, I had, I didn't have the direction of where I wanted to go in my life. So I figured when I was going to college that being a basketball coach sounded about the best thing that I could do. And I figured the only way to do that was to become a teacher. And I started down the track of being an elementary ed major at Elon. And I realized very quickly that I was not near as passionate about the teaching portion as I was about being a basketball coach portion. And one of the things that I learned from my parents at a very early age is teaching is the type of vocation that you have to be 
all in for. You know, you are responsible for molding and educating and inspiring our youth. That is not something that you just mail it in. And I realized that I did not have the love for teaching that I thought would be a requirement to do that craft. So I knew I needed to make a pivot. Um, but where it really hit me distinctly, which you brought up, and I'm glad you liked that story, I was doing my student teaching um, for a fifth grade class, and the teacher asked me to take the students outside and collect leaves so that we could uh, kind of die document and study and, and look at leaves. And I remember, now, now some of this, of course, was with some youthful arrogance, I'll say, because I saw no value in that. In fact, I'm sitting here thinking, I can't think of a dumber assignment than collecting leaves. I don't care about leaves, and there's no way that I'm going to spend a 30-year career telling other people to care about leaves. So I left that teaching assignment and went straight to my advisor and said, I can't do this. I need to find a new path. And he said, well, you're already two years in, and if you want most of your credits to transfer so that you're not in college for seven or eight years, um, there's only a small list of majors that you can transfer that your credits will, will apply. And he started reading them off, and the second one he read off was sport management. And I said, I'll take it. And he said, do you even know what sport management is? And I said, no, but it had the word sport in it, so right. let's do it. Right. And in hindsight, and I, I just take it as good fortune, it was one of the best accidental decisions I ever made because sport management had me take half business classes and half exercise physiology classes. So if you fast forward three years later when I graduate and I start my own performance training company, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I had a, a, a business background mixed with an exercise phys background. So it really put me on the right path. And the only reason it did that was because I was willing to walk away from teaching kids about leaves. Yeah, I thought that story was great. One of the things we were talking about this morning, even before you got on stage when we were at breakfast, is we were talking about our kids. We were talking about how you've uh, sort of evolved into that teacher for your kids, especially when it comes to sports. We talk about all the time how parents are under this immense pressure to travel and to do these traveling teams. But one thing that stuck out to me was the focus on repetition, the focus on being really good at who you are and really good at what you can do, not pretending to be who you can be. Those lessons clearly apply in business as well. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, something I've said to my kids uh, probably far too many times and, and occasionally elicits an eye roll from them, but I tell them that repetition is not punishment. Repetition is the oldest and most effective form of learning and skill acquisition on the planet, and that will never change. If you want to be good at anything, the key is repetition, repetition, repetition. So if you want to be a good basketball player, repetition. You want to be good at playing the piano, repetition. You want to be good at laying bricks, repetition. You want to be a good communicator, repetition. And the more reps we can get, and, and focused reps, where we can also get back some highly discernible feedback, that's how we make improvement. And uh, so I'm a huge believer in repetition. And, you know, one of the um, points to that, so as one can imagine, I started professionally speaking in 2017 and had a really nice run in 2017, 18, and 19. And then the pandemic hit, which I know disrupted so many different industries and businesses, but it certainly disrupted being an in-person keynote speaker because every event in the world was shut down. You know, and in an 18-month period, 
I only did a couple of, of in-person events. Everything had to be moved to virtual. Well, I immediately recognized that I didn't have a lot of experience communicating and presenting virtually. So the very first thing I decided to do when it was obvious that the pandemic was going to last longer than the first couple of weeks that we thought was I knew I just needed to start getting repetitions. So I started trying to offer my services to speak to any group I could really at any time to any group for any fee just to get the reps of practicing this new format of communication because as I'm sure you can appreciate being on stage and speaking in person in front of a live audience where you can see people's head nod you can see them smile you can see them write stuff down you can hear them clap is completely different than speaking to 450 people on a zoom webinar where you don't see anyone and you don't hear anyone. It'd be like me doing this podcast right now without you here and I just hear myself talk. It was really challenging. So I wanted to get repetitions at doing this new form of communication and presenting. And, you know, it was rough at first. When I look back on my first few Zoom presentations, um, they certainly weren't as well as I'm able to do them now. But you know what? When I look back at my first few in-person keynotes in 2017, they're not anywhere close to what I'm capable of now. It was all part of the journey. But I've learned the power is in repetition, and I'll always lean into that. That's great. A lot of lessons we can take away here. You know, we're going to have a lot of people that are going to listen to this podcast that are outside of this room that weren't able to make it to the Winter Conference. Can you tell me what stood out to you today? We're moving into our uh, talk as we wrap up this podcast. What stood out to you about the conference? Well, on a macro level, I mean, the thing was flawlessly executed. I mean, it was incredibly organized. And, and I say that even leading up to this. I mean, all of the communications I've had with everyone on your team and your side um, made me feel very welcomed, made me feel very prepared. Um, and, and all I had to do was show up and do my job, which is really, really important. Um, I mean, the, the vendor expo area, the meals, the having people going between keynotes and uh, breakout sessions. I mean, it, it's been so organized and flawlessly run and as someone that speaks at a lot of events I know how much work happens in the unseen hours to put something like this on this wasn't something that you guys just decided two weeks ago hey let's let's hold something for 1500 people in the the greater Iowa area this is something that takes a tremendous amount of planning and communication and and all of these things and I, I you guys knocked it out of the park and I I also really love the balance between the educational component, giving them some tools that they can all leave with to apply to their teams and their lives, but mixing that with a social component where they can network um, and, and meet with friends and learn from people with other, you know, other companies, uh, mixed with the amazing vendors that you have here. So you're, you're putting something in front of them that might be beneficial to what they're trying to do moving forward. So, yeah, this has been a real, real pleasure to be a part of, and everything has been first class. Well, thank you. We appreciate that very much. It takes a whole team. It takes a whole group of people, and we're really proud to have you here, and we, we appreciate that. Last question before I let you go. I always sign this off, okay? I'm a, I'm a current events junkie, okay. okay? What stuck out to you today, current events-wise, just something that knocked your socks off? A news article, uh, something you read in your kid's school newsletter, one current event that knocked you off? You know what I'm actually leaning heavily into is uh, AI and chat GPT yeah. as a tool that I can use 
to help supplement what it is that I do for a living. Yeah. So um, when I'm not on stage or I'm not on somebody's podcast or, you know, my number one job is to create content, yeah. is content that I put out on social media that I'm hoping is beneficial for the people that choose to follow or consume it. And I want to lean into ChatGPT as a tool that can help me do that more efficiently and effectively. I'm not looking for it to replace me. I'm not looking for it to, to do my work for me, but I've used it in a capacity that's been really helpful. So what I use is, and here's how I use it, a question pops up in my mind. You know, what, um, what's the role um, personal discipline plays in someone's success? And I know I have some thoughts on it, but I type in the chat GPT, write a blog about the role personal development plays in success, or personal discipline plays in success, and within seven seconds it spits out a few paragraphs, and then I take a look at that and go, oh, wow, I didn't think about it from that angle, or I like this paragraph here, I'm going to supplement that with something I thought. Um, so instead of starting from a blank page, I'm now starting with something that gives me a little bit of momentum, and then I'll spend 30, 40, 50 minutes editing what ChatGPT started and I'm going to turn it into a piece of content for me that I'm hoping, sure. in this case, your followers would, would find valuable. So sure. I think the, the most important takeaway from that is you can use, you can look at new technologies like ChatGPT. You can look at them as a threat or you can look at them as an opportunity. You can look at AI and say, this is going to replace my job one day. Or you can say, I'm going to be at the forefront of learning how to use this to make me irreplaceable sure. so that I am so, so valuable that there's no way that I can ever be replaced. And, you know, because technology is not going anywhere. Nope. Something like a chat GPT is not going anywhere. So instead of running from it and being fearful from it, I want to lean into it. And, and that's something that's really piqued my interest. And I know has grabbed a lot of headlines over the last six to eight months. That's great. Alan, where can folks that are listening find you online? Uh, the easiest place is my website, which is just allensteinjr.com. Um, if Anyone who saw me today at the conference or who listens to this show thinks I can add value to their team or their organization. Uh, there's an inquiry form on there. Please reach out. It'd be my honor to do it. And I'm very easily found on social media, at Alan Stein Jr., on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, and Instagram. Just shoot me a DM. I love engaging with people, love being very accessible and responsive. Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure and so much fun, so thank you. Well, good. Well, thank you, Alan Stein Jr., for being here. Uh, thanks for those who tuned in. It's been real.